Now for this morning's person, we turn to a former police officer from New Zealand, Roger Shepherd, who not only has become a, a, an avid mountain climber in this country, but has made it his business. He became the first foreign national, in fact, to walk the entirety of the Pektu Tegan mountain range, the mountain spine that runs through this country. And he's also founded a company to investigate more of Korea's mountains. Let me then offer a very warm welcome to Mr. Roger Shepherd. Thank you for having me. And your company is Hike Korea, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And um, we'll talk a bit more about how you're promoting Korean mountains around the world, but first let's get to your story. How did you go from police officer to working in Africa to coming to Korea? Oh, I was in Africa before I was a cop, and then um, most of my work in Africa was outdoor work. I- I'd actually taught English here for one year in Korea before I was a police officer. And uh, during that year, I used to go to the mountains, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, when I was in uh, the police in New Zealand, we we worked quite hard, so we get a lot of leave. So I decided to use some of that leave to come back to Korea to um, trek mountains. And um, it was during one of those visits that I, I kind of stumbled upon the Peitu Daegan. And uh, I walked that, wrote a guidebook about it. And then the kind of the relationship with uh, the mountains started from that and I kept coming back and eventually I left my job and started a company and um, here I am today. It's pretty inspiring. Um, I, I, you sound so young. I feel I have to point out that you are now in your 50s. So uh, this is something that you... Let's just, put it, let's just say 58, mate. Okay, fine. <laughs> but but the, but the point is, some people might think you're in your 30s to listen to you, and you're clearly very fit as well. Uh, right, yeah. and, and this is a journey that's been building for some time. Yeah, I mean, natural progress. I mean, I've always been an adventurous guy. Uh, you know, I, I left school at an early age. I did an apprenticeship. Uh, then I got into selling. Then I went overseas to England, and I worked in England for a while, travelled a bit of Europe, and ended up in Africa. And, and then I went back home and did some work, and then, you know, Ended up coming to Korea for that year of teaching and then went, came back and joined the police and the police were a good employer. They, they, they kind of, um, how can I say, they mould you into something. They, they tap on your potentials and your capabilities and they, they, they make you a kind of a better human, I guess. But uh, in the end, my, my will to travel and, and to do what my intuition told me was far greater than that. And um, I ended up here in Korea eventually. I mean... I don't know what's going to happen in the next five years. We'll just have to wait and see. Indeed. Yeah. One one thing I just want to quickly focus on before we get to Korea's mountains is your work with the police in New Zealand because it actually has a Korean connection. At one point, you guarded former Korean President Im young Bak. That was in 2009. Tell us how that was. Oh, well, I was a member of the Diplomatic Protection Squad at that stage in my police career. So our role was always to... Um, you know, protect world leaders when they came here. Uh, I'd already been to Korea and hiked the Pantadagan in 2006 and 2007. I was working on my book, my guidebook on that subject. Now my supervisor said, hey, we've got the South Korean president coming over to New Zealand, Shepherd. I think you should be a number one man and because uh, you know a bit about the language and the culture. And um, so I hooked up with um, their team and um, guarded him on his visit in 2009. Now, speaking about Korea specifically, uh, I think many of us, even who don't like to hike, probably end up hiking 
part of every day because even Seoul is very hilly and many of us probably live on minor mountains uh, because of the geography. What was it about Korean proper mountains, though, that began to fascinate you? I guess a lot of it's like when you're up on the ridges and there's like unimpeded views, uh, you know, 360 views, and you look out over the horizon and you just see like an endless wave of peaks or blue ridges. It's, it's quite stunning. Now, even as a New Zealander, um, you know, it's quite impressive to me. Uh, the other point is like if you start to study what's in the mountains, you learn to know that there's a very deep culture and history of Korea uh, that dates back thousands of years. So my study of mountains and writing about Korean mountains and taking photos, etc., cetera, has, has um, made me become more aware of what it is to be a Korean mm. and, and what it means to them. And their mountains are quite steeped in, inside their literature and arts and poetry, etc., uh, another point that I like was um, the fact that uh, all their mountains are actually interconnected to each other. So, you know, there's a main spine and then there's these subsidiary ridges and these lesser ridges, and they're all actually interconnected. And that interconnection also extends into, like, their old system of old pathways, uh, which they call Yikgid. And um, those pathways still exist. I mean, there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of kilometres of trails here in South Korea. And you can walk free on all of them most of the time. There's barely any private property or large farms in South Korea that um, obstruct you from, you know, progressing in your walk. Whereas in other parts of the world, uh, like for New Zealand example, a lot of the um, land space will be actually occupied by private landowners and, and, and you're restricted to how far you can travel. Mm. Uh, having said that, you can travel a long way. But in Korea, you can do it practically around the entire nation. So there's a great sense of wonder, uh, sorry, of wandering and um, exploration. And as a foreigner, you know, things often look very new to you. Uh, when you hike long distance, every day is a new day. You're not quite sure what you're going to see or what, you know, or where you're going to sleep or what you're going to do next. So there's always a, an element of ex- excitement in there too. Something you've been able to complete, though, is the North Korean part of the Pekdudegan mountain range. Uh, would that feel like it was lacking in your experience if you'd not been able to do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I hadn't done the entire uh, ridge in North Korea. Um, I'd just like to point that out. I, I visited many sections of it, um, and I'm going back again this year to do it. Two more, two more expeditions there to visit newer mountains along that, that ridge spine as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would have stayed in South Korea uh, for much longer had I not gone to North Korea because there was a sense of, uh, you know, things yet to be done, and North Korea has helped me do that. Also, you know, my work's very well appreciated by the Korean people in North and South Korea. So I get a lot of um, you know, uh, appreciation out of doing that type of work in North Korea. And, and, and it inspires me to um, do more. Yeah. So, yeah, North, North Korea has been a, a, a kind of a, a good opportunity for me to um, share with the people of Korea their mountains. Um, some of us might recall a story of motorcyclists doing a tour of North Korea. You're actually part of that. Can you tell us a bit more about that experience? Uh, 
Um, yeah, um, they, they had approached me to see if I could help them get permission to um, ride their bikes through North Korea, um, which we managed to achieve. Uh, later on, they got permission to actually cross through the DMZ at Gesonggongdan, um, through the industrial complex border. And um, it was a pretty boring journey, to be honest. Yeah, well, because they were on motorbikes and we were kind of following them most of the time. Mm. Yeah, there wasn't much trekking involved. They did visit some pretty amazing parts. They took their bikes up to the summit of Pechusan, where they officially started their tour. The tour was themed around the Pechudagan, which is what I do, and um, that sense of, like, uh, one nation, one people, by using the Pechudagan as a mountain spine that um, connects the two careers together as one people. So we use that as our theme and subject, and we um, thought they used their motorbikes to follow, not obviously the, the entire spine, because there's a limit to where you can take a motorbike, but um, they more or less used that route and used that as their, as their flag, their symbol, uh, to complete their work in North Korea. And then they took their bikes through into the south, and they kind of explored the Pechudagan and parts on their motorbikes by crossing over it. <clears throat> on the road sections, and then they ended up in Halasan, but they they couldn't take their bikes to Halasan, <laughs> not to the summit, which was quite funny because they they were able to in North Korea. Yeah, there's an irony there, isn't there, Mr. Shepherd? But <laughs> but um, I mean, that's one way to do it. It it seems to to me that unless there's more trekking involved, you're not going to maximise your own enjoyment. But another thing that I noticed in the Korean media in the last few days, the Hungary newspaper featured two tigers released at Pegtudegan National Arboretum. And I often lamented the loss of Korean tigers in the wild. And I know that you were a wildlife ranger and safari guide in Africa. Is that something that you'd like to see more of and maybe even cooperate with, the, the rewilding of Korea's mountain ranges? Yeah, I don't know if uh, tigers on the loose would be a good idea in South Korea, personally. Um, quite hard to manage and control them. I'm quite sure they'd get into trouble with the local people uh, with their stock. I'm kind of against the idea of encaged animals as well. So, you know, having two tigers in a, in a camp on the slopes of the Pegtudagan in South Korea is all very dandy, but they're not really free animals. Um, they're just there as showpieces for the Korean public. So I probably wouldn't want to get involved in that type of work, to be honest. I mean, I was a ranger. I used to do walking safaris, and I was used to seeing animals uh, running free in the wild. Is it something that's lacking from your own experience then, um, that, that wildlife side of it here in Korea? Or, or do you just appreciate the mountains for what they are? I just appreciate the mountains for what they are. I mean, there's obviously there's deer and um, other animals, smaller animals. Korea has a very, very good bird life. Um, I think that's worth tapping. But uh, South Korea is a very heavily populated nation with limited land space and a large mammal predator is not going to work anymore in this country. And you may find that in the past when tigers were here, they were probably more a nuisance and a danger to the people rather than um, a national treasure back uh, then because people thought differently back then. A, a worthy and reminder, then, Mr. Shepherd. Uh, we are just about out of time. Well, thank you for being this morning's person. We wish you luck. As you said, you don't know where you're going to be five years from now. We hope... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it, it's on a, a, a peak somewhere and that you've got a big smile on your face. Okay, awesome. Thank you for having me on your show. Roger Shepherd of Hike Korea. Radio that matters.
every morning with This Morning.